Genesis. Where's that? Seventeen. We're going to talk about names being changed. Genesis seventeen, verse fifteen. Okay, now, all of the stuff has happened with Abraham. Ishmael has been born. And then he was circumcised. And it's been... It's been 13 years since Abraham last had a revelation. And um, it's a long time. We were just hanging around for 13 years. I'm sure he felt that everybody, everything was wrong. He didn't know what was going on. But somehow he, he didn't have any other choices. He didn't. Um, we don't know what he did in those 13 years. I'm sure he tried a few other things and they all failed. But that's why I continually say to, to any of you, if there's something else that you have to do, go do it. Because um, God's revelation in, in, in reality isn't progressive, but in our mind's capacity to see it is progressive. And so your own idolatry is the only thing that keeps you from seeing the fullness of God. There's no other reason why you don't see the fullness of God in that perfect peace except your own idolatry. And so God's dealing with us always is along the lines of our idolatry. The question is, that, that is always here, is which is, and you can never, if the, what, the moment that you, the moment that you bring God's name to your idolatry, then you become part of the whore, and you become part of the problem, not part of the solution. But the moment, by the same token, the moment you feel guilty about your idolatry, then that in itself has stopped the process. That's why it says, in the, when it says in the New Testament, it says, flee from youthful lusts or desires it doesn't mean I mean it means a lot of things but what it translated word for word it means be fed up with the things of the young man in other words the spiritual things of the young man I mean it's, it's already discounted the world stuff but the only way you can be fed up with it is to have experienced it. You cannot have... You can, Christ is what's left when everything that you can think about is gone. And it doesn't matter whether that's desire for companionship, desire for a marriage, desire for a wife, desire to return to better times gone by, careers, money, it doesn't matter what it is, but as long as that's there, then that becomes an idol which present, prevents the fullness of God from being revealed within you. Now, it doesn't say that you should condemn yourself because you have it, because God put it there. But what it does say is be fed up with it. Take it to the extreme. Now, if your imagination isn't very good, if you don't have the capacity to empathize, that too is from God, and so you may have to live it. 
Now, this is the same stuff I've been talking about for years and years and years, but it's, again, the lesson of Abraham. You cannot, experience, you cannot know good or God until you have experientially known everything else. That's why religion is such a sham, because it tries to make God stuff intertwined or connected with or mixed with world stuff. Does everybody understand this? Well, see, when you do that, when you do that, you do it as unto God. Whatsoever you do in thought, in word, or in deed, do as unto God. That, that, that doesn't mean you're going to do it... Uh, you, you, I mean, doesn't, that, all it means is that you see it as God. And you see, it, God desires that all believers be in what's called the parent state or the father state. And that can only take place when, when there is no thing in the world that is, is still attractive to you. Now, the process, you go from the child, the adolescent, the young man, to the, to the parent. But you know, and if you, if you're if that's what again most 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 preaching is to the adolescent, and that's why sometimes the preaching of the father position makes no sense because it's like you have no way to empathize with it except in time. Okay, now this is a lesson we're going to learn from Sarah here. But, but but I guess I want, what I want you to know is is that it's it's a it's it's in a it's a contradiction from the world standard in that there is no desire or dream or ambition or plan that you can have that will be fulfilled. I mean, it's true for the whole human race. For most of them, they don't even come close to fulfilling it. But even if you do fulfill it, it won't bring you any peace of mind. You won't be at peace. It will still be the, 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 the need to acquire more. And so that, on one standpoint, that sounds terrible. But on the other standpoint, from the, other, from the mind of Christ, it's joy. Now, by the same token, the steps that are necessary to get there, in one sense, we can say they are not of God, because they're not the finality. But by the other sense, we can say they are all of God, because they're necessary steps to get to the final point. Peace? Now, the way you delay that final point is by not following the light that you've been given. That because of your own stubbornness and rebellion, that you determinedly continue in something that experientially you know is fruitless. There's a whole lot of you that do that still. And that's called rebellion. Because it's the desire for the individualized self-divinity. Now, all of these things are what we learn from Abraham and Sarah. So let's read it. Okay? Read uh, 15 through 27. Well, read 15 through 19 first. When I get off on my, my little trips about my career or possessions or goals or ambitions or whatever, I know, at some point I know that I want that thing to try and feel alive, to try and be alive, to try and stay alive, to try and avoid death. But in each of those things, I can, it seems like I can 
see a year in the future or 10 years in the future or 50 years in the future, whatever the point is of death, physical death, and, uh, and a career or uh, you know, an Oscar or a wife or grandchildren or whatever, don't, don't have any effect on the, on the moment of leaving time and space. I don't understand what you said. When I start thinking about, I'd like to run off and, and be a, uh, a famous movie maker and win Oscars and get rich, riding Rolls Royces and that kind of stuff. Eventually, I see in that in that dream fantasy that that all it is is something to do to avoid seeing that I'm dead, and that it what the that no matter what it is, it wears out. It doesn't work. There's nothing that can. Well, but there's but, nothing that can change that. There's let, nothing. That can let me uh, remember I said last night or whenever we met Thursday night that it's time that we move from all of the mystery is locked into Galatians two twenty. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. Okay. All that sounds, you know, it's like a nice sentence. Most people in the universe have no concept that they're crucified with Christ. It doesn't make any sense. They've never even heard about it. In here, all of you know that you are crucified with Christ. You forget it sometimes. But you're locked into the nevertheless I live position. Now, I want you to concentrate on something. It's, it's nevertheless I live, but it's not you that is living. The secret that Christ knew was, is that all of those things that he went through, it was the Father. He never, he knew who he was. So that any, I mean, you, the moment you know who you are, the moment that you know for me to live is Christ, then every problem that you have and every projection that you have fades away. Is it Christ that wants to uh, make movies and ride around in a Rolls Royce? Yes, it is. How can it, the, 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 the eternal fact is you're dead. Well, I thought it's an immature Christ. I thought that that was my rebellion and not wanting to be conformed to okay. his life. Well, let's stop there. Is it Christ? Spit on being is it Christ that was rebel? Out. Is it Christ that was rebellious? If you're crucified, then who's left? Don't, it's no longer two. So, so Antichrist is an illusion? Antichrist is an illusion. All that Christ knew was, whatsoever I see the Father do, that I do. Whatsoever I hear the Father say, that I say. Whatsoever I perceive the Father is thinking, that I think. Including stupid stuff. Stup including stupid stuff. Now that's, that's an <laughs> well, it's the truth. You're not, it's, it's not Ed that's going to Oklahoma City. It's, it's Christ in Ed form that's going to Oklahoma City. See, okay, I'm really glad this came up because I, I'm still believing that there's a battle going on inside here between Christ and Antichrist. No. Between renewed mind and unrenewed mind. No. 
I think we're changing the doctrine here. No, we're not. Yeah, I think we're, we're changing not, the doctrine. It's not a battle raging here. No. Oh, the battle is done. Your warfare is oh, complete. Is this little nasty voice in there? It's, 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 it's that which is necessary. It's part of God. What, what is it, though? I mean, is it, is it our old resident self? No, the old self is dead and gone. It's God. So God's in two forms? No, God is just doing whatever is necessary to conform you to the image of Christ. But the but the way the the secret is that the instant you see that, then the battle is finished. There's no change in the doctrine. I've said ever since the beginning, your warfare is accomplished. We can sit here and see it, and it's not finished. I mean, it's not it's not going to stop. What? The Christ wet his pants. The double-mindedness, or, or the. Christ was ashamed when he read his, wet his pants. Well, all I'm saying is that it's, because we see it now, it's not going to go away. It's it is. It goes away it's quicker than the quicker than I can clap. The moment you recognize this eternal mystery. Why haven't you told us that before? What? <laughs> <laughs> all the time we wasted. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think what we could we should have doing. taken a shortcut. So, he's... He went, Wait, wait, wait. wait. Uh, uh, Everybody's wait, wait, wait. talking wait, about wait. the. That's right. I always change the doctrine. Wait, wait. This, this guy is a, he's about 16 or 17 years old, right? Who? Uh, this Christ person? Jesus T. Christ. Mr. Christ. You know Mr. <laughs> Mr. Christ is family. <laughs> no, this kid, he's, he's 16 years old, okay? And he's going to synagogue. And um, this stuff is being revealed to him, right? So he reads one of the things in Torah that says he's going to be um, despised and um, kicked around and spit on and put to death and all that kind of stuff. And he doesn't want to do that. That's right. He has other things he'd rather do. Right. Like maybe get married, have some kids. He'd rather chase and Mary Magdalene around. Right. <laughs> so at some point, for some period of time, he didn't want to do that. That's right. Now. Well, I wouldn't say... Okay, you can't. There's a problem with that because of the age, but well, let's say make four, it make it whatever. twelve. Whatever. Yeah. At some point, he said, "Holy shit!" You know, when I'm twenty, when I'm thirty-three years old, they're gonna put nails through my hands. I don't want to do that. That's right. So for some period of time, be it a nanosecond or a week or a year or whatever, he walked around pouting, saying, "I don't want to do that." That's right. Now the difference between. He Or maybe he was, wouldn't scream at you. He was perfect. He was without sin because when he didn't want to do it, he just said, I don't want to do it. He was honest about it. He didn't hide it. Well, look. Remember remember we still think in terms of of uh, of accomplishment or uh, of arriving somewhere, or or uh, neat places, and, but the sanctification, the Jewish sanctification, is always. I thank the Father. Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the Universe, who has sanctified me from my mother's womb. In other words, I mean, you you've been chosen to <coughs> that point. Who has kept me? Who has garrisoned me, and allowed me to reach this time? Now this time is the time you recognize that there's no longer any separation. It's, it's done. It's finished. Your warfare is accomplished in quietness and the confidence you shall be saved no matter what everything else says to you. So he, he, he didn't see separation. He didn't feel like it was him fighting against the Father. He probably did. But remember, he did. I'm sure he did. In fact, I know he did up until the point he was 13. But... Before that, he wasn't a child of the law. When it says he fulfilled the law, he only fulfilled it from the time that he was subject to it. By Jewish law, he's not a child of the law until 13. So in the spirit, he started, he became the young man, because at that point, he began to see who he was. And he still talked about it. I, I, I mean, I'd love to, to, write, to, to be a part of a play or to write a play, where Christ, is, as a teenager, is talking to, to his buddies. And they're, they're trying to, you know, he's, he's pushing the limit. 
and everything. I mean, he's, he's no different. As he is in the world, so are we. Get this idea of your imagined stupid, ridiculous things of perfection out. You're you. You think that you should be different than you are. Why? Your, your mind says that. Because every part of you, the lie, the prince of the power of the air, doesn't want to show that the sacrifice was complete, that you need to add something to the sacrifice. Well, God does eventually, but he's using the prince of the power of the air, the, the Satan, the Antichrist, the opposer, the accuser, to continually try to do that to you. And as long as he can do that to you, then he can do that to you. But the moment you say, I don't want to do that anymore, then he can't do that to you anymore. There's no way in hell anybody, except in maybe one or two areas, but 99% of the areas of my life, there's no way in God's green earth that I, anybody can put a trip on me. It used to be there's 50 million areas people could put a trip on me. What's, why is it different now? Well, because I've seen the lie. So this is the battle going on in our minds. Is this it's God against God? Well, it's, 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 it's just, I mean, it's, it's just the fact that the testing process that has been necessary up to this point. Now it's done. You, you can never again be separate from Christ. So huh? there's not two in this vessel. No, there's one. That one is perfect. And, and your father is perfect, and the way is made complete, and everything is finished. What about the old man and the old mind and all that? From oh, that's all... Christian bullshit. Where? It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what's been happening all these years. This is an exciting time. <laughs> <laughs> We've just been Christmas all along. <laughs> This is a revised doctrine. Well, we only tell Doug there's something new. <laughs> Let's go call him now. <laughs> Doug, we changed the doctrine. We did not. It's the same thing. Let's but for him. some reason tonight you heard it. It's the same as there's since I've been gone. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that shit eating. <laughs> now this is true even for Ed. Even for Ed. <laughs> and Ed's the worst case. That's <laughs> a test case. Well, it's true for Harry that it must be true. <laughs> well, actually, I think Harry's heard this before, though. This isn't the first time. Because well, it's the same concept as when you told me one night that all you have to do is see the cancer's already gone. It's gone. Well, I'm not just going to look at the same thing about the, the old man and the old mom. We've said those words. We've said that for But the Ugar, when, when the, what happened? You've been baptized, haven't you? Well, the old man was buried. Talk about the accuser and the oddest. That's stuff. right. Okay. Now you've seen through it. But the accuser is God. Huh? The accuser is God. Eventually, of course. All things are God. To bitch you to see this one singular idea. But there's still, maybe just be some magic, but there's still a. Uh, God is using Satan. There's still Satan buffing us or whatever. Yeah, but, trips. Right, but you don't have to you don't have to buy the lie any longer. You're never separate. <clears throat> this is the cure for schizophrenia. <laughs> it's just an illusion. Verse fifteen. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. I remember over in verse 5 it said, Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, 
but thy name shall be Abraham. Now, they didn't do anything different. And they just sort of continued being themselves. And at a particular point in time, Abram's name was changed to Abraham. Sarah, Sarai's name was changed to Sarah. Now, the word Sarai in the Hebrew means she that strives, or better, she that endures, as in childbirth. She strived and she endured against hope. She labored to enter the rest. The word Sarah means princess. So all that happened was, in that laboring to enter the rest, which was simply enduring, God didn't, I mean, and at the, the moment in time that her mind saw for her to live as Christ, her name was changed. The moment that you see this, then you have a new name, because you now, you're not the independent Christ, because that's, but you're the bride, that's the new name. And you can't make a mistake from that point forward. And you see, you look back and see that everything that happened to you had to happen to bring you to that time that you'd been garrisoned and protected. It doesn't matter whether it took, you know, he, Abraham is 90 years old now. It's been 13 years since he last heard. But he endured in the silence. And now, he saw for me to live as Christ. He saw the day of Christ. Having borne the reproach of you. That's right. <clears throat> now, her name became Sarah, which is the Hebrew word for princess. And this was her rank not because of her bloodline in the natural, but because of her bloodline in the spirit. I mean, it's, it's, again, Israel is she who sees God. Israel comes through Sarah by the enduring. That's what all the New Testament scriptures are about, where it talks about they that endure till the end shall be saved. They that Sarai to the end shall be Sarah. I mean, there's no, there's no accomplishment necessary. You don't have to do anything. You just have to see. Okay? Pretty simple, huh? Now, in that simplicity, <clears throat> this is how God sees you once you see that, once you go from that enduring to the revelation. This is, this is the from a, a thing called the Genesis Apocryphon. It was one of the Dead Sea Scrolls. It was found at Qum. Qumran. That's a description of Sarah. How lovely were her eyes, how delectable her nose, and the whole bloom of her face. How lovely her breast, and all the whiteness of her. Her arms, how beautiful, her hands, how perfect. How lovely her palms, and how long and slender each finger of her hand. Her feet, how beautiful, and how perfect her legs. Of all the virgins and brides that go into the bridal chamber, none can compare. Yea, above all women, she is beautiful, and her beauty is high above all of them. Yet with all this beauty, she has great wisdom. Well, that's the description. That's what God sees in you. As we call forth, as we see that in each other, then we call forth that beauty. Peace.
Pants 16, And I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed, and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, O oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will bless my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. Now Abraham, even though he just got his name changed, first thing that happened, he screwed up again. And he laughed. When it says he laughed, it says he mocked God. He looked at himself and said, the promise is impossible. After every time there's a revelation, there's a test of the revelation. And your only job, if Abraham is your role model, is to say whatever's there. Abraham laughed, or mocked, or scorned. Now, earlier, God told him about some promised stuff, and he believed God. This time, he didn't. Well, because he said specifically that it was coming through Sarah. Sarah's womb was dead. So, when it was general miracle kind of stuff, he could believe that. Well, because he could see it after the natural. He thought first that the promise would go through Lot, his, his relative by blood, then Lot separated. Then he thought it would go through Eliezer, who was his firstborn servant, the main servant. Then he thought it would go through Ishmael, because he played around in the tent with Hagar. And then and after God had separated, and each time that he thought the promise had come through that direction, then each time God separated him from that potential, that possibility, until the promise could only come through faith, i.e. not giving breath to the sensory perception. Now, you know, that's where there's that old cliche that says, I look around and I'm depressed. I look within and I'm distressed. I look at I look at Jesus and I'm oppressed. So I mean, it's it's that's what everything in the New Testament, in one great sense, is about what we've just read. How the promise is revealed. How did God speak to you? How did He speak? Well. And there's, you know, there's great controversy over that issue, um, because in in one sense, the um, the scriptures in another place say that Moses was the only man that God ever spoke face to face with. But God always spoke to Abraham through an angel. That's why the head of the synagogue is called the angel. Peace. <clears throat> okay, the word laughed in verse 17 is the words, I can't pronounce it, but it's sock. Sachak means to laugh in scorn, to make sport, or to laugh in incredulity. Now, in a minute, Sarah's going to laugh at God. At the moment, if, if Abraham was looking if Abraham could have independently looked at himself in that time frame, 
or in any of the others when he did it we've studied how often he screwed up every time that Abraham if he would have looked at himself in that time frame he would have been sorely and completely screwed up but all Abraham did was prophesy and by releasing what was there then faith is its own dynamic it's like Thursday night I don't remember what the issue was, but no, Gary, no, huh? No, oh yeah, the Jewish baptism stuff. But Gary was convinced that I had never said what I said before. And he kept looking around for witnesses to confirm that I never said what I said before. But I'd said it hundreds of times. But the problem is, and this is why in you prophecy is so vital, that Every time, if I say something that you either think is BS or that you don't understand, then it comes against a, a position that's in your mind. Okay, your mind in the future will not remember that that occurrence even took place because that was the moment that's why your mind doesn't remember pain. I mean, you can think, you can think in the past about something, some kind of pain you've suffered, but you can't really empathize it. Well, that's why the way we're constructed, everything about the way we work is done so that it will force you to prophesy. It'll force you to bubble forth. If you don't, you won't remember it. You know, that's why tonight, I mean, it's, it's as though in that issue about who's living, you know, you say, well, I never said that before. The doctrine's changed. Well, I've said it, I know I've said it 10,000 times in the last nine years. So do you understand how important it is that there's a question for you to speak? In? Okay? The reason we don't remember stuff like that or with Gary is because we haven't spoken in the past because you when it when it came when it came up you in your mind dismissed it you know you dismissed it and in that dismissal of it the memory of that point is gone all right well you know in a, in a few verses here I'm gonna chronicle each of the times that Abraham doubted God he doubted him a whole bunch. This time he doubted him again, right? But let's look at what the New Testament says about that. Go look at Romans 4. I've got this picture in my mind. You know, this guy, he had, nobody, nobody's coming, giving him any God stuff for 13 years, right? So the first time in 13 years, the angel comes and tells him something. And here's this old guy reading in the, on the ground in uncontrollable fits of laughter, pointing at this angel, laughing his head. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. It makes more sense to me because I always thought before that God, that some, you know, something of God, like, you know, had told, and for him to have the audacity to laugh directly, you know, I mean, it's one thing we laugh at the angel all the time. I can relate to it. <laughs> but, you know, to do anything but fall on his face and. Well, let's look. It's great the way they wrote it, too, because, you know, when every, everybody that sees God, the first thing they do is fall on their face. So even, the, and this is written, and he fell on his face and laughed his ass off. <laughs> uh, verse 13. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law but through the righteousness of faith now again remember that the, when it talks about the law it means that the way a thing works it doesn't just mean the Jewish law and so and the righteousness of faith it doesn't mean um, 
I'm going to figure out and sit around and, and teach you how to have faith, and so therefore you can be righteousness. It means that, the fa that faith is its own righteousness. I mean, it's its own power. It's its own dynamic. And Abraham didn't have faith diddly squat in the natural, as we'll see. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. As we said, the promise to Abraham was before circumcision, before the law, before the Bible, before anything. All he, you know, all he did was hang around. Because the law worketh wrath, for where there no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore it is a faith, that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him who he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Again, that's the father position in prayer. You call forth that which does not exist. Who against hope believed. Now here, here it's going to make Abraham sound really righteous. It's talking about Abraham. We just saw how many times Abraham fucked up. Who against hope believed in hope. Okay, that, now he's sounding really good. That he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Well, we just read that he laughed his ass off about the impossibility of it. He not only did that a few years before this, he didn't believe it so strongly that he went and played, you know, with Sarah in the tent. Or he tried to make the, the promise go to, 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 to Lot, then to Eliezer, then to Ishmael. And then when he finally saw it had to come through Sarah, he laughed his butt off. But the scriptures, the New Testament says that he did what? He, 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 he wasn't weak in faith. He considered not his own body. He considered not Sarah's womb. Well, something's going on here. Either the Bible is, is, is wrong. I mean, you know, I'd love to get in, the, in a debate about this with, with the Baptists and their inerrancy. Because, they, I mean, well, I can show them hundreds of places that the Bible is apparently in contradiction if you look at it in the natural. He staggered not at the promise. Now the word staggered means he did not judge between two or more opinions. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Does it sound like what we just read? And being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was also able to perform. Does it sound like him? <clears throat> I mean, we're, we're reading about two different guys here. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. What I want you to hear is God never even saw. Faith never even saw the doubt. Same, the same is true. Let's go. Let's show you another example of this. This is a great one. He, what? Well, there's only one explanation for this, and that is that in verse 13, they could just as well say the promise. God made a promise. God made a promise that Abraham would be the heir of the world, and it's through the righteousness of the faith of God that was placed in Abraham. That's right. The only explanation. Right. It's the faith of God just like it's the faith of Christ in you. It's not your faith. If God, if I, or if anybody else looked at your faith, then you'd just be all screwed up. If they looked at Abraham's faith, if Paul, when writing this, would have looked at Abraham's faith, Paul is either the biggest liar in the world or he's reading a different Bible. 
But he didn't. He looked at God's faith. So this says, I mean, all this promise stuff, the truth about it is, God said he's going to do something. That means he's going to do it. Period. That's right. You were chosen in him before the foundation of the world, before you were born in your mother's womb, to be a partaker of that promise. Do you, do you realize that if this Bible, if, if, if they were writing about, well, if they were writing about me, they'd say that I was strong in faith? I've been totally weak in faith. I've messed up so many times that it's been beyond comprehension. This is what this is what Jesus saw when he realized that it was the Father in him. That's right. That it was not him. Jesus lived by the faith of the Father. He just left the rock. Now let's go to see what it says about Moses. It's in the same dimension. Okay. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. Well, let's know. Let's start in Hebrews 11. Um, well, that's a great one. Who's faith? Let's, yeah, let's start in Hebrews 11, verse uh, 8. By faith, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing where he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promises in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one in him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky and multitude in the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. Okay, let's go to verse 23. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. They certainly were afraid of the king's <laughs> commandment. And Moses didn't have faith to hide himself when he was three months old. Well, of course not. By faith Moses, when he was come of years refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, that we, we'll get there soon, but the son of Pharaoh's daughter was a title, which meant that he was the heir apparent. He was the next Pharaoh. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He didn't choose. He got... He, he, was, he got ran out of Egypt under death penalty. But by faith, that's what faith saw. It's no longer your faith, it's his faith, and his faith is sure. Now the moment your mind finally sees that, then you're finally free. Right. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured, and seeing him who is invisible. He feared the wrath of the king, he ran for his life. Do you see a mystery now? Do you see how screwed up religion is? Do you see what religion has done to your minds? Faith is secure. It's sure. It's not dependent on your external response to it. You can't learn to have faith any more than a 
orange can learn to be an apple. You see a little mystery here? I am crucified with Christ. It's not optional. Nevertheless, I live. It's not optional. Yet not I. It's not optional. But Christ that liveth in me. It's not optional. And the life I now live in the flesh. It's not optional. I live by the faith of the Son of God. It's not optional. It's His faith. Well, why is it written in such a way? It makes it seem like his faith. You know, it makes you see the mystery. Of well, because it's hid from everyone who looks at the scriptures as a mirror. By definition. If they look into here to see their own face, they'll see their own face and they'll misunderstand everything. We have no control. Why did you choose us? I just thought you were funny. Because you're cute. Because you can cook? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going to test it. Will you cook some baked beans for Sunday? Yeah. She's not going to be here. You're not going to be here? That's why you choose. Why did he choose you? How do we know? I mean, I can hear all these you know, things for which because he has a great plan to This is sound like a very good choice. I think it's because we're nice people. I, I wouldn't choose <laughs> because, because you're a nice person. I don't think we're nice like this one. How did I get Because he's, cho yeah, he's chosen the base things, the foolish things. <laughs> right. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 1. No, I hope that's not right. <laughs> that was supposed to be a joke. 1 verse 18. Or 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize but to preach the gospel not with wisdom of words lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness but unto us which are in the, in the Greek it's being saved it is the power of God for it is written I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But to them, unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and Christ, the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Now, in verse 19, there's two things talked about. The wisdom of the wise 
and the understanding of the prudent. Some of the most prudent people in the world are the stupidest. Prudent people it has nothing to do with if, if, if any of you have ever hung around in, um, in, a, in poor areas everything that they do is prudence um, when I was on the board of directors of the war on poverty everything had to be in their minds I mean, there were, I mean most of these people are just plain stupid but they were prudent stupid. So, the contrast between the wisdom of the world God's going to confound the wisdom which he does in here every night. But it's much more difficult to bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Because in, 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 in the understanding of the prudent requires you to believe in cause and effect. Just like when God says that faith will bring forth the promise that you would be the heir of the world, that you own all things, that all things exist for your sake, you do the same thing that Abraham did. You laugh at him and scorn him because you say, that's, you look at yourself and you say, that's stupid, that's impossible, because you're being prudent. What, what, what's prudent? Well, prudent means, what, literally, I think it would mean, I mean in, in our understanding, would mean one that sees cause and effect. Because it has something to do with the ability to add one and one and get two. Well, Pete looked it up one time and said that's what it meant. But, I mean, the ultimate is, is that a promise of a child would be born through a woman and a man who are years past childbirth age. That's what the lesson of Abraham is. The promise of that you are an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ, and that you own all things, doesn't look very prudent. Are you going to go out and, just as Jesus, I'm sure, you know, Jesus had, Jesus worked for a long time. He's a carpenter. Thought he had to make a living. I mean, do you see that just as in Christ there was this dawning awareness of who he was and who he knew and then what? So in you, there's a, you know, I think there's a, been a great rush of that understanding tonight. Peace. Okay. Let's go to First Peter three. Well, let no. Let's let's go to first, start First Peter one verse twenty one. It's talking about Jesus, and it says, "Who by Him do believe in God?" Now that that you know, we most time let that pass. That just sounds like something that you might say: "You by Him, you believe in God." You can't. Mankind can't believe in God. Pete Evans can't believe in God. Ed Housewright can't believe in God. Jan can't believe in God. By him we believe in God. By him we have faith. By him we are pleasing to the Father. By him we are without spot, without blemish. By him there's no wrinkles. That raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. 
seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart, fervently, being born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower fadeth, or falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Harry there was, saw a movie and was talking about the, the sequoia redwood trees. And they, they are the oldest living thing on earth. And they're about, some of them are over 2,000 years old. And in this movie, Kim Novak in the movie Vertigo was, she was allegedly possessed or something by, or at least she was acting like she was, and by an ancient woman. And so she was saying, I was born here and I died here. But <clears throat> if you, if you're, if you could perceive of life that your life, was 2,000 years long, then what you consider your life now, i.e. a period of 70 years, to that tree you would be as nothing. You would be as a puff of smoke. Now, to the greater degree, when you take it that your life is in truth eternity, then your life truly is a vapor of smoke. What we now think of in the, the ambitions and the dreams and the ideas, there is, there is nothing. But the Word, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, abideth forever. And by Him we have faith. So again, it's, it's this thing that's going on. It's temporal versus eternal. It's that, that's, that, and, 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 and slowly but surely, eternal wins. Okay? Now let's go to 1 Peter 3. This is one of the readings. 1 to 12. Read it, Harry. Now this is, the reason this is here, it's because of, of Sarah, what we just read about Sarah. So now think about Sarah in relationship to what we're reading here now if you but I guarantee you what will happen when you read this you'll think if you're the women will think about it in terms of the natural and then we'll have an argument about it but okay this is the bride this is the bride likewise you wives be in subjection to your own husbands that if any obey not the word they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear Whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair, or of wearing of gold, or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, as long as you do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Finally, be you all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that you are there unto called, that you should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Okay. Again, we read it in the natural, and we see 
Okay, this is all the kind of stuff I have to do. Just as we read in Abraham, he laughed at God, he rolled over and rolled in the dirt laughing at him, he did all the mistakes. But in faith, we see this is what is happening. Just as in faith, we see with Paul that Abraham staggered not at unbelief. In faith, we see that Jesus Christ, in our minds, I mean in, in the natural, in our minds, we see because we've made Christ a golden calf. We, 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 most of us, when we think of Jesus Christ, picture him as a golden calf, just as they did, because we want, we want a perf perfect image that we can see. Okay? I mean, if, if we could, if, everybody does this. <laughs> but Christ in in the natural if we could see Christ in the natural if we could have been there with him we would first of all we would have never ever ever thought he was Christ I mean you wouldn't there's not there's no one that would have worshipped him there's no one that would have acknowledged who he was you would have crucified him with all the rest. Because you would have seen something that didn't meet your demands for what you think God's stuff should be. He is without form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty in him that we should desire him. So we see, in the same way, we see faith. If we look at faith in the natural, we see failure. But if we see faith in the spirit, we only see perfection. And, and it's important. Otherwise, you'll, you'll, first of all, if you don't understand this, you'll start being a hypocrite. And that'll really piss me off. I've seen stuff that, you know, seeing, seeing it. That was that feeling. Zero and a half. It's no separation. Yeah. None. Zero. Okay.